He said, I've been to the year 3000. Not much has changed, but they live underwater. And your great, great, great granddaughter is a bird that has a gun. Fortify Niche. Hey there, everyone. This is Fortified Niche again. Your your podcast about uh, indie, small, miniature, miniature war games. And today, I'm your host, JC Dan, just like always. And I'm joined with Casa, who's uh, doing his podcastly duties despite being uh, somewhat gravely ill. <laughs> okay, I'll just um, hack and cough my way through this like normal. Hack, cough, wheeze even. Uh, outside, uh, outside of that, how how have you been doing? Fantastic, uh, so good. Thirty eight point eight degree fever this morning, which was also fun to wake up to or try to sleep through the night with. Um, been playing Alan Lake too. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. I've stopped playing it to this podcast. You're better appreciate it. <laughs> what game? Alan Wake Two, the new oh. Remedy title. Okay, that one. Okay, yeah. Um... I haven't been playing any of the hot games recently, though uh, since I took out some uh, vacation days off, I've been doing uh, a lot more Lamplighters League and uh, mm. War Tales because a friend of mine recommended it. Uh, so yeah, I've been stabbing a lot of poachers and deserters re- recently and also punching all sorts of uh, villainous villains and Lamplighters. War Tales uh, looks kind of cool. It is kind of like a third-person mountain blade, only you don't, you don't have a horse. But the pony you have might go into battle with you. Uh, mine got killed by a champion mace-wielding maniac, just like one hit that poor thing. Uh, we buried him. Uh, you can do that in the game. <laughs> There's a tiny grave plot uh, somewhere out there. Uh, so... <laughs> Speaking of fighting horses, uh, the Drowned Earth. <laughs> no horses oh, yeah. exist in that game, but it has uh, animal people. Uh, and it has animal people in it. It's a uh, skirmish, uh, skirmish uh, war game. It's uh, set in the far future after Earth has encountered an mysterious unknown apocalypse. Uh, it has since subsided, but everywhere you go, there are ruins and there are flooded areas. And one of your companions is almost invariably uh, uh, talking more, even more anthropomorphized gorilla. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a game for small groups of troopers, like. I think if you get up to ten, to, if you get to, to ten playing pieces, you're pushing it. And that's a lot of lizards. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, dinosaur trash. Uh, it's uh, it's also it also places a big emphasis on mobility and on having water on the terrain. And yeah, it 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 runs pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty pretty cool. It's like a cross between. Um... Infinity and Carnival in a lot of interesting ways. The comparisons are uh, the comparisons are very easy to make. Um, 
there's not much more to the not not that much more to the fluff of the game. At least uh, as you read the rule book, it's mostly about like, hey, uh, the apocalypse happened, and all sorts of people live here now. Some of them are mercenaries. Some of them are looking for old knickknacks to sell, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're one of these groups. Uh, they expanded it on uh, expanded on the war on the world and the lore, I guess, and uh, the things uh, published since then with uh, campaigns and, and uh, supplements. But uh, that, as it is in the book, it's like, hey, it's wet and rusty, and you're you're about to shoot someone. So yeah, it's. <clears throat> I haven't read much of the fluff because the books we're using are the free PDFs they have on the website. Free cards, free PDF, free rules. You know, a tremendously low barrier for entry for this. Um, and like, what fluff is in there seems okay. Lots of words, 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 but it's also like, eh, it's interesting enough. The de- decent little scenario setup world they've got the going for them. Um, it's still yeah. well supported as well. Yeah. And uh, so moving on immediately into the rules, this is a D10 uh, rule set. Uh, um, the lower you roll, the better. With the higher the stat, the better. So if you you're facing off another player, it's whichever rolls uh, the highest, I guess, on uh, under the stat. Uh, and almost every every time you roll dice, you also roll a special feat die, which determines your uh, which determines your success level. Uh, a pass is when you're when you roll under your stat. Uh, nailed it result, which is always better, is when both of dice, both of the die roll under your stat. And there's also the 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 best result feat, which is rolling a one or the special symbol on the feat die. And the, even if you bungle the attribute roll on the normal dice, it doesn't matter. Feat uh, destroys everything. There's also failure when you fail to roll anything good, and there's a blunder when you both fail to roll under your attribute and you roll doubles. Um, yeah. In practice, like, that rarely ever happens. Yeah, like one percent of the time. More than that. Yeah, because it depends. The number you need is determined by your stat and skill and modifiers. If you're like yeah. shooting seven, you need to roll sevens or less, and then you don't have a tie. Oh, both, you both succeed by the same amount. You both nail it. Whoever rolls the highest on the attribute dice yeah. wins. Um, in the event of like a true tie, we both roll like you both roll a double sixes. Then you both count as nailed it, and you both get shot. And it's very yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, the nailed it result is important in this game since uh, movement, uh, weapon ranges, and. Uh, uh, Weapon damage is usually expressed in two numbers separated by the uh, the slash, and the first result is always the pass result, and the second is the nailed it result. And while some weapons might have the same range for both, others can be like hugely variable. Like uh, I think I had a sniper rifle that had a, a, an eleven inch range on pass and twelve on a nailed it. Oh, like eleven and twenty of some other guns, which is like the distance is almost doubled or more. Um, yeah, yeah. The cool thing is the Nowditz are only... You pick one effect from the Nowditz, so if you need the longer range, you don't get the extra damage. Or if you want the extra damage, you've got to make sure they're in, like, your close range. Yeah. Which was a problem we had a few times. It's like, oh, man, making you roll four dice would be great. But also, I you're just so far away. Yeah. And uh, 
don't if you're just going in a straight line you don't need to ro roll for movement you automatically get your nailed at range the rolling only comes into effect if you're starting to do parkour stuff mm. and so you know if you if you really want to jump from building to building and stuff you'll you'll need that uh, nailed it result <laughs> unless you're standing at the edge of the gap and your normal movement would clear it anyways um the game uh, works on an AP system, and uh, that means uh, that means that most of your most of your characters get uh, two AP per. But they also have an AP limit because each leader can, uh, during their activation, uh, test to move AP from character to character, which also means moving them to themselves. But and it's a, it's a free action, and you can do it as long as you succeed and as long as you're seeing the people involved. But hmm. to prevent the infinity-type ramboing from happening, characters have a cap on how much AP they can spend per turn. So uh, I, had, uh, I was playing Bondsman, and I had, the, I, I had Fankane, the terribly named uh, super, uh, super Monkey Warrior, and he had an AP cap of 5, which... Uh, between movement and shooting and the fact that the game has nested actions, which which is what the Infinity Orders would be, but this is like spending two AP while doing an action that's like movement and shooting. It's explained as a more complex thing than it actually is. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so to prevent that monkey from just running down the board and killing everyone, uh, it can only spend like five AP. And uh, this also makes say, taking uh, trash garbage dinosaurs. Uh, and dinosaurs are a neutral faction, and of course they run in the game. Taking trash garbage dinosaurs as AP batteries less useful. Yeah, and to go back to your point about the actions, it's such a weirdly described system if you've come from other games where like you can put things up. It's just it's so strangely phrased because you basically spend an action point to do a movement action of some kind, like dynamic movement or control movement or just climbing or walking or something. You have another AP to do a second action as part of that first action. So you can move up or you can like jump out the window and shoot a guy on the way down and land in the water and keep swimming away. Which sounds sick, but the description of it is so convoluted and it's yeah, very funny. Uh if you've ever if you ever uh, had a hard time explaining how infinity orders work that both actions uh, that both both actions of the same order take part uh, simultaneously somehow it's even it's even more it's even more convoluted to explain more convolutedly explained here even though it's not any more difficult uh in practice and uh me, yeah. I mean, we we got our head around it, but I can see how it could be confusing to folks that haven't reviewed like forty eight games for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just convoluted, and it, the examples could be clearer in a way that make it seem like it's such a big deal to do this nested action thing, which people always be wanting to do. Because moving and shooting during a movement blind makes a lot of sense yeah it's like most of your most of your characters except for for team leaders i guess will have by default two ap and that's like an infinity order and what you're going to do is either move move or move and shoot so like you know could 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 be explained easier 
Um, it's also that interesting thing, reaction points, you also spend them to do your Infinity-style reactions of shooting at a guy when they um, expose themselves, or dodging or something. So you are sort of encouraged to not spend all of your points on murdering the active turn, because you want to have like your characters ready to sort of react to things and punish the opponent for misplays or making big assumptions about what's going to happen. Because like, I had my sniper just spend the whole turn just not doing anything but shooting you. So like, you know, aha, plink, plink, plink. And it can work rather well sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, a sort of like having neurocinetics in in Infinity or maybe total reaction. But <clears throat> so your reactions are full attacks, unlike in Infinity where you have burst one. No, and when you react in the the round dwarf, it's like a full attack. You're full on shooting the other guy. But you pay for that with AP, and if you go too hard and too hot, too fast in like your active turn, you're left with nothing. There is a slight chance that you'll uh, have a single AP, by which I mean if you do a test during a turn and you roll a feat, you get the nailed, uh, nailed it result, and you get a single AP at the end of your activation. And so that means you that's an AP you can't use for your activation, but it's an AP that you'll have stored in case the enemy walks into your sights or something. You also excitedly get that if you're the reactive player. So if you feat against an opponent, then you get an AP at the end of their turn, which means that you can continue to react or um, maybe at the start of your turn, you'll have an extra AP at the start, which is also quite exciting. It's it's a neat at, at, system. Yeah. At worst, you've refunded the AP you spent on reaction. Well, it could be a big deal. Like, if you've only got two AP to start with and you spent one, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I need another AP so I can be active in this turn rather than just, like, walking or taking a shot. It's, I don't know, it's convoluted and I'm not quite sure I'm the hugest fan of how it plays out. But, like, it works really well. It's rather neat enough, I think. When you start being your um your commander starts throwing AP around for different um, characters and stuff and even boosting themselves so they can just keep punching to death the um dinosaur and the rider. That commander AP spreading is I think uh, quite an important part of uh, quite an important part of the game and the uh, tactical consideration and there, there's also the question whether you'll want to start with your commander and like yeah. Uh, move move them points around and basically show your hand to the other player, or whether you'll wait for them to activate first and uh, do other stuff. There's also a balancing mechanism in there for when one of the teams starts uh, dropping in numbers because uh, that player then gets pass tokens, the equivalent of the difference between between miniatures. So. Since it's alternating activations, one player can't just activate their garbage first and then make the uh, make the. Uh, they the, kind of can. No, they can. They kind of can, but they have pass tokens to mitigate this a little. Yeah, and if you're pushing your trash forward first, and that's you know just making them try out their activations or vice versa. Uh, yeah, and to follow from the rules, I think there's some. Interesting scenarios at play as well. It's also neat because the scenario button pushing, you know, thing is also an action you have to take. So you can't just walk up and be next to the button. You've got to like walk up and boop it. Working out yeah, as yeah. yours, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've only got two AP over six rounds and having to spend one of those 
it really cuts down your murder time. And yeah, and especially so if the floor is water and the game advises the scenarios to have floor be water. And in water, you only move your first uh, movement value, which could be like five inches instead of seven. So you still have to get to the objective and then boop it, boop it on the snoop. And this also means that if you just uh, go uh, go full 10 inches in water, you're, uh, you're going to be left with no recourse when you get shot. Of course, you can hope that the soft cover that water gives you automatically will help, but it's just a minus one to being hit, so it's not too much, even on a D10. Yeah, it's... it's seems like the modifiers themselves are rather limited. We only encountered a few characters who could really stack them, where they had, like, the sneaky trait and they were in cover, which made, like, a minus three to hit them. And then the person shooting them had the trait to ignore cover and sneakiness, which was sort of like, well, that sucks. Yeah, it, it was well, most of the time it felt like it was what, plus one, minus one. Yeah. Uh, except for the one time where... Uh, uh, Kassa took a guy in a robot loader suit and punched my team leader dead off her dinosaur because he had uh, modifiers on his weapon that decrease both armor value and toughness value. And uh, what this thing, what this game has, it has separate armor and toughness value, but it, but they are added together to become your single armor. Also, there's a bit of 40k there in that. Toughness and armor both add on, but it's, it's also infinity in that it's just a single, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a single roll, and uh, certain modifiers can, can you know, add or subtract from it. Yeah, I think the, the toughness saves thing works really well. You add your armor to your toughness, and then you roll a save for each point of damage you've sustained, and then your opponents can reduce your armor and toughness by various means, and you still try and do the same thing of rolling your stat total or lower and you know playing versus dent who loves to spike his dice one way or the other it's can be frustrating but no one ever felt absurdly tough like in a second game when i sort of realized how it worked and what you need to bring to make people get hurt and yeah like people have such low toughnesses on generally across the board it seems like most factions we have like toughness two or three and then armor one or two so being told you reduce your armor toughness by one can add up a lot. You go from like fifty percent chance to like a forty percent chance, or even lower. Like your ten percent chance when my boss rolled his mega damage and was thundering and piercing for some garbage number. It's like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, but uh, that 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 was only happening because uh, Casa managed to walk half the table and get to within punching range. Ranged weapons don't seem to be. Uh, that well furnished with uh, piercing and uh, crushing. Uh, funny, funnily enough, uh, uh, in our first game, I didn't realize that uh, armor one to me it seemed like that's not much. I didn't realize that some factions just maybe don't get armor because yeah. I think <laughs> I think I think it was the militia that wasn't entirely unarmored. Yeah. So you're like, all right, I have a weapon with Thunder 1. This does nothing to a guy that doesn't bring armor to the game. Yeah, um, which is kind of funny. And then you realize that, yeah, you guys have many armor and they keep getting shot and it's like, oh dear. But th th there's also fun, funny stuff like uh, I mentioned the Casas uh, mechanized guy. So he, 
that's the, that technically counts uh, as a mounted character. Most people ride dinosaurs. It's only that one guy who is forklift certified who's driving around a, a loader from aliens. And uh, uh, what the game does is that if you roll a nailed it result, you can choose whether you want to hit the mount or the uh, driver and stuff. And so in this situation, for me, it was much more beneficial to 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 hit the driver since he doesn't have a combined armor toughness of seven and uh, so you can you can shoot a guy off the mount he casa actually squashed my team leader right off her dinosaur and but the dinosaur was left on the table out of some misplaced sense of loyalty yeah that was quite interesting because you can't specify who you target unless you will now it result or a feat so like it works Pretty well for the recovery. It's super. Yeah, a lot of lot of cool things going on in this game, and I think the other cool things about it would be like the army building, maybe. <laughs> well, army building is simple. You have points, and hmm. uh, uh, this game does the thing that I don't like, and that you all of your guys are essentially named characters, and uh, so. Even even though it front loads the rules that say like oh the card is going to say how many guy how many of this guy you can put in your uh, army and stuff it's like great most of the faction they most of the factions like eight out of ten entries are named characters you can only take one of them and I think I I think the neutral uh, neutral trash mercenaries were only added with the Alea Chronicles supplement or something because mm. you're definitely i don't think not definitely i don't think you're meant to play them by default at most in the default game you'll get neutrals in the form of uh dinosaurs from uh, utah raptors to triceratops to those <laughs> those silly looking uh, parrot things that cost like five points and have a single hp yeah it's the beast and stuff you can get in seem fine like hey here's two free ap for like six points like, you're gonna get if you've got point plus ever go for that and you also get their um effects cards if you have less points than your opponent or a discrepancy between the set amount and what you've got so that like batman thing if you've always been like eight points under you actually can spend those last eight points on something that's going to help you potentially like cards or re-rolls or to get successes on movers movements based by default it's um yeah it works kind of okay and that that's one of the very few customization features in the game because you don't really customize your dudes. The only thing you can do is replace your team leader's ability that affects the team as long as they're alive. And sometimes it could be uh, something as uh, scary as Canada's ability uh, that makes the team deal two damage when uh, when you fail an armor save on a 9 or uh, or a 10 which is like a lot of people ha are walking around with f 4 to 5 hp that's that can that can that can make failing an armor save be really bad of course uh, of course canada has to be alive to, for you to use uh, use it so there's there's a lot of inbuilt incentive to keep your uh, your leader alive something that like say previous editions of 40k would perennially forget even the fightiest leaders still sort of when we really picky and choosy about their fights 
I know Forek of the Militia Faction, he of the Power Loader, has other choice of grenades, ability to make two command AP swaps per turn, which also seems really, really powerful. Yeah, uh, some, sometimes the equipment choices you get don't seem to be that good when compared to the uh, stuff that affects your entire faction. But uh, yeah, so usually your leader will have two choices, one of the faction-specific ability or equipment, and then there are also, I think, generic ones, such as getting six more points, but you can only spend that on effects, or six more points that you can only spend on dinosaurs. Yeah, some of them aren't as good as the other ones. But they're all, like, interesting choices to make. Another thing seemed to be, like, the standard one. Even Canada's, like, double damage on 9s and 10s is great, but you've got to have a way to, like, reliably get the enemies to fail rolls, and they can't. They're, like, still high toughness and armor. Like, sure, the failure is more punishing, but they're still, like, succeeding most of the time. Yeah, yeah. You can't actively make them fail uh, dice roll, uh, armor rolls on a 9 and 10 outside of shooting them. And if you're shooting them, they probably have a chance to react. Or, uh, mm. So, you know, not, it's, it's, it's not ideal, it's not a guaranteed win, but it's a nice little bonus to have. I think my, I think my lizard, lizard leader, Liz, Liz, or something had, had that for the team where uh, if, you, if you're getting shot at, you have reflexes one, which is almost a feel no pain roll. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, it, 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 it is interesting. Um, factions usually have like one or two leaders to choose from, and it's one of those classes that you have to include uh, in, in the team. And one of the leaders will have also a mounted version with their own like uh, dino ride. Uh, leader isn't the only class in the game, but it's the one class that you'll invariably have and the one class that's really important because classes are handled somewhat strangely in this mm. you basically don't care about them when building army build and most of the time it's uh situational bonuses that are fun because what do scouts do well scouts have special deployment uh, which during scenarios they during this during scenarios they'll be able to deploy outside your player's deployment zone but there's but it depends on the scenario. The scenario will tell you how to deploy infiltrators, so it's not like you're getting the same result, the same effect every time. Uh, the other two classes are medics and mechs, and medics can touch your, touch another character and heal an HP or, or, or something, while mechs clear jams, which, which is what happens to your gun once you blunder. It's so, also tough characters. Yeah, tough characters uh, don't have any uh, special abilities. They're just tough. I think that's that's yeah. what covers all Fang Kane or uh, the other gorilla dinosaur dinosaur models. Yes, yeah, so there's four skills. Generally, you want to take one of each because it just makes sense. And most factions have access to, I think, just one of each. Well, they they have more than like five five characters per, but. Yeah, but grunts don't count, don't have a skill. Um, the nameless trash garbage don't have a skill, but all the name characters do, as far as I remember. Uh, well, of course, dinosaurs don't have skills either. There's, there's no, like, domehead medic that headbutts you to heal you. I, I think there are enough factions to choose from uh, at this point, both from the good guy and the bad guy variety. For example, wayfarers are... 
that faction that's both its own mercenary faction and it also acts as mercenaries that could be included in uh, other gangs. But then you also have bondsmen, which are the less scrupulous mercenaries that exist just as their own faction. They can't be included in anything else. Uh, there's also the firm, that's the bandits. Uh, artifactors are your goody two shoes. Uh, we love uh, to do the science, guys. And uh, did I mention the firm? They're the gangsters. The militia are somehow the shooty gun guys who don't believe in armor, <laughs> apparently. And I think I've covered most of them, right? Hmm. Nothing else really seems on. It's like a. No, yes, that's all of them, yeah. There's still some more coming out with their new Kickstarters all the time, but like for the most part, that covers it. I, and I think that most of them, uh, well, most of the factions rely on their rule gimmicks to stand, stand out from each other because all of them present a mixture of humans and uh, weird animal people. So you'll have uh, the, great, the, the thing that every Warhammer fantasy fan wants to see, a skink with a gun in almost every, uh, in almost every faction. Uh, the uh, Wayfarers, I think, have the bird guy who looks like who, who looks like one of the one, a, a very cheap furry drawing uh the monkeys are the monkeys are fine uh, i think are uh, all fine i think all of them are gorillas and there's even one guy that's a triceratops that's armed with smoke grenades which is funny and he looks real tough and he looks real fielders uh Currently, I'm looking in, in, uh, looking for ways to buy the uh, the secondary leader or the primary primary leader of the Bondsman faction because it's a lady in red uh, red Star Wars stormtrooper armor, and she comes either with a staff arm version or a version that's riding a triceratops. She does seem pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, if you if you like this kind of uh, like post apocalyptic weirdness, any faction will any faction will will do that for you. Um, and of course, the, a weird amount of like each cakey design going on sometimes in the models. Like early infinity levels of just like, hmm, okay, her butts right out. Sure. Oh yeah, uh, he, he mentions butts. I'll mention breasts because most uh, a, a lot of female characters have that T-shirts that are unnaturally hugging like you know they don't they, they don't conform to the chest like that and there's also the uh tension line that's going between bet between the nipples and stuff so like you're I like looking at and, and you're like mm, i don't know about that chief uh fortunately the uh, the stormtrooper girl is immune to that due to her rigid armor uh hmm. so yeah so there's some some strangers there, but the miniatures generally look fine. They are they are made of the devil's plastic, which is metal. So, but hey, uh, small developers do what small developers have to do. It does also mean that you don't need to buy multiples of characters or like filler outs. Everyone you buy is going to be like the one person you run that that model, except for like the occasional grunts and like non characters characters. Um, and that's uh, pretty free form with those guys. Actually, the uh, the chaff, the multiple guys per team that you can take, the nameless dudes, 
they not only released the kit for those generic troopers, they also released a customization kit for for those guys. So if you want your uh, nameless gorilla to be running around with a like you know the the free dot uh, uh, night vision uh, helmet, then you can do that. Sick. And I think we trans transition into excuses to buy miniatures and. I don't know. It's 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 hard to talk about. Hard to talk about the alternative when uh, it's so characters based. It's like you know. <laughs> I guess the most viable alternative is uh, to look at a guy whose whose miniature you don't particularly like, and then rebuild uh, him or her on Hero Forge. Yeah, which is like way to make it cost a lot more. But like, hey, that's the Ham's experience. Um, yeah, it's all pretty. Unique sculpts and unique designs and unique um, everything. You can probably, obviously, you can wear with like um, cheap store, redirect shop um, dinosaurs. But for the most part, the models themselves are a pretty decent um, excuse to buy into this game. They're really sick things, like super, super neat. Uh, faction starters all run around uh, 100 points, and it's not like you're going to need that many more dudes in the game anyway. You'll, you maybe want more variety in the uh, longer run, and you'll probably want to fill out your faction, but like a faction roster is outside the neutrals, like 8 to 10 dudes, so you're not mm. going to break the bank unless your bank is already broken. I just saw the monkey with the same girls. That's cool. Um... All right, so I guess that means it's compliment sandwich time because alternative sculpts are basically like whatever you want to have counts as. The game does use um, Infinity-style silhouettes where everyone has a base size and like a silhouette size. So everyone of a certain type listed on the card will always be the same size as anyone else, no matter like how dynamically they're posed or what they're falling off of. You always had that sort of reliability built in as long as you guys fit this box. You can even use cutouts. Like, um, yeah. There's no... Well, his arm's poking up over the thing. He's holding a flag. Can I last cannon the flag? No. That's silly. Um, but let's slow it down and find out. Yeah, I, I, I have yet to meet a game that said, like, no, 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 if the player is, st if the character is sticking out his tail out of, like, uh, so you can shoot the tail. And uh, so I, I, I still haven't found the patient zero that made all every game afterwards say now like no you just aim for the body like oh oh my god don't punish people for posing their miniatures. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I, I'd, st I'd still like to see which which was the game that shocked the community so much that it became an epigenetic trauma. Hmm. Um, I think it's just horror stories spread via yeah. um, telephone or like. It's sort of mutated into nightmares rather than being like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay, so I'll start uh, the compliment sandwich as the guy who doesn't have a fever today. Uh, it runs pretty fast. Uh, the, uh, the nested the nested rules they are they look more uh, difficult than they are, but once you start playing it, the game runs pretty fast. There's like a page of weapon descriptions, and the abilities aren't too hard. The amount of skills also, yeah, pretty manageable. And characters that have skills usually have them printed on the other side of their character card. Uh, and they really don't have like USRs or, and stuff. The only downside is you don't get the uh, class skills reprinted every time, which would be mm. useful because you sometimes you might forget. But they're not that important. And uh, yeah, so I like it that it runs really fast. We uh, the, the few games we played before this 
we were like fighting the game as much as we were fighting each other on the table. And uh, the Drowned Earth didn't make us do that. It it, uh, just allowed me to go out there with my Lizardman sniper and uh, shoot some ugly gorilla in the face. That actually didn't happen. My sniper jammed her gun on the first shot, so... uh, So funny. Yep. Can't do my job no more. Whoopsie doodle. (laughs) Time to start running up the board. You could bring her to a mechanic, but your mechanic could die, so... I honestly quite like the... um character skills thing as someone who always forgets to bring a specialist in infinity having that just baked into classes in a game that's like such limited um character options anyway it's like you are sort of encouraged to bring these guys along and then your medic is always going to be your medic there's no sort of like oh damn i brought the optimal list and the optimal list is only designed for murder and i can't actually play the game like everyone can play the game all scenarios are um accessible towards everyone even if your medic has a sniper rifle, he doesn't want to be next to the people who need a medic. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, uh, you. You never. I don't know. It's very hard to build a team. I think that doesn't have one of each class, especially since you have to have a team lead, which is the most important class. And and I, and I liked her. I I like that. I maybe would like to have mechs and medics do something more, but other than that, it's good. It cuts down on on like learning what infiltration does versus combat jump versus parachutist versus anything else. Uh, so you know, the, the, you 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 can see the you can see the infinity in its bones, and it works. Yeah, that's definitely the design ethos. It's really. Really clear inspiration where it stems from. So, for my first negative, it's the card layouts are kind of bad. Oh, it's the, the the card layouts really annoying because one side is portrait and one side is landscape, and they don't make the most efficient use of the space they've got. And I understand it; the design's nice, but it's not super gameable. And I haven't got every skill listed on the back of the card, which annoys me. Why don't weapon profiles have their explanations on the back as well as like the skills which aren't on the front of the cards so you always you have to constantly like the first few games you put the cards over so so much which is why the tts module having both cards or duplicates of every card was so nice because you could just see it no matter what you like oh what skills has nick got turn the card over oh okay it's those ones i've taken damage how much i've got up oh, turn the card over <laughs> And don't forget that that one time when we, one of my, I think one of my characters had the camouflage skill, which is a skill that yeah. doesn't appear in the book, but appears on Nyx's character card. Oh. And it's a skill that another character had, so <laughs> which mm. was a little, a little frustrating. Yes, it's like the card layout. The character cards would be so much better. They're really quite good, but you just need two of them, which is frustrating. And you can't test like them nicely um what would yeah. your negative be i don't remember the carnival rules offhand but somehow it feels that carnival is a lot more free forgiving and inviting to do all sorts of parkour nonsense than the drowned earth is uh, f- for a game that uh, that proudly presents itself as the game where you can run, jump out through the window, and shoot someone while you're still in the air, uh, the movement rules feel somewhat constraining, or at, or are explained in a fairly uh, in a way that makes them feel constraining. I don't know. 
yeah, they definitely felt like they'd been gamed by someone and enough that the developers so they sort of made sure that wouldn't be done that way again. Like Carnival has a thing where like every success, if you make a move action and you succeed, you move your move step up the basic and every extra success lets you move further and doing a crit lets all those extra bonuses count as like twice as far. So on a good roll, Dracula might move like four inches base, but then if he crits it really hard, he might move like 10 inches and like all of a sudden he's crossed the board. It's like, oh shit. Whereas in this, no matter how well you roll, no matter how good your result is, you're only moving like an extra two inches, maybe three inches at most, unless you're in like some sort of super mount. So I think that's and you're like, also jumping three inches at most. Yeah, no one ever jumps further in life. No one can jump down. If you walk up to a wall and want to climb it, you got to start a new action, as far as I could ascertain. So there's not that kind of uh, thing of I like. Don't, I don't. I don't think you need to start off. a new action, oh, but right. it's uh, still it's sometimes unclear. Uh, it was that thing yeah. about like if it's a certain height, you can dynamic movement up it. Yeah, but if it's too tall, then you've got to keep climbing. Um, yeah. the the only The only really cinematic thing about this is that if you jump down from any height into the water, you don't uh, you don't get damaged, which is uh, truth in cinema, not in real life. But you know, it's fun. Uh, yeah, and it. And if you have a table that's built up and you're not playing on TTS where you have to deal with the fact that people don't understand what a collision box is, then you can then you can do some of those like wicked jumps into the water. But there's not a lot of there doesn't feel like there's a lot of actual parkouring from like, you know, an overhang to a crate to a, to a girder on a collapsed building. Yeah, for a game it pushes its dynamic movement and that sort of it's always how it was sold to me. As like the parkour um, post-apocalyptic future sci-fi game, it's like, well, it's not really that much freedom movement. Like, there's some stuff about like ignoring obstacles and like leaping is something everyone can do as part of their move, which is cool. But it's not that far. It's not game-changing. Um, I don't know. I just wish it was more freeform and like letting you do these cool things that it sort of isn't. Uh, for another, for my second compliment, I like the AP caps. I'm actually starting to consider whether it wouldn't be good to have things like that in Infinity itself uh, to add some variety and cut down on Rambos. Uh, because well, it's in general a lot more constrained system than than than, than Infinity is with orders, and uh, I like that you. But both, both with that and alternating activations, it makes the game more dynamic and everyone's always moving, doing something. Uh, yeah, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, and I think, relatedly, um, my component, secondly, would be the um, the spending an AP to react works really well. Um, it's a good way to draw activations from your opponent and sort of just give you something to do during your turn. Some of these games is sort of all you get to do is like strike back when you get punched or roll armor saves. This is sort of I had a meeting between like we don't want you to be remboing, we want you to like be getting free shots all the time. So deciding when and where to spend those APs is also really interesting. It's uh, it's also an interesting thing where me having some background in uh, TTRPGs uh, foiled me a little because. I saw having to pay for reactions with your actions, and I was like, oh, that's usually a bad game design decision, but I guess it's uh, it's actually made a lot more purposefully, and since you're not fighting NPCs, you're fighting another player, and he has to make those same trade-offs, it 
works a lot better. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the things about it that works the best. So, uh, go, 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 coming to sum it all up, uh, Senor Casa, would you play the Drowned Earth if you had to buy the minis yourself? No, because I've already bought in Car- into Carnival and Infinity, and both of those games do half of what this game does, but way better. Infinity's a much better, like, skirmish game based around, like, super soldiers in the future going around shooting dudes with giant monsters and monkeys and werewolves. And Carnival is a much better, um, we believe miniature uh, games can be 3D, and we're going to show you how to make them 3D, and it's so good. I mean, Super Carnival. Sean Pemba Carnival. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we've reviewed Carnival, and we love it. And yeah, I don't, I don't see myself buying into the game. Like I said, I, I see myself buying a miniature or two just to have it. But if I had to buy it itself, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, the fluff doesn't take me there and the rules are mostly okay. And considering that I've, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how many 012 I have at this point. It's almost the entire age. I, 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 I don't think I, I think I need a bigger, a bigger sales pitch than this to get myself into another game. Especially considering I'm going to to be buying into Legions Imperialis whenever they come out. That's never coming out. We know this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think... Like, I'm not trying to dismiss the game as it is. Like, if it's... We're saying it's your favorite game, we get it. But... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. If, if you say... If you tell us that you like this game, we won't give you the stink eye. It's like... Yeah, there are yeah, games out right. there where, where I would judge you for liking, but uh, the Drowned Earth isn't one. Horus Heresy, 40k, one um, fantasy classic. Most of those <laughs> games. Um, yeah, and like getting started isn't expensive. Like it's 45 quid for a box, which is like five miniatures. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, they have been all started set for some factions that seem to be bigger, but for the most part. Oh, I've also like. Never seen this for sale anywhere. Um, yeah, the, the Drowned Earth is a game we mostly know from ourselves. I don't even mm. know where I. I don't even remember where I found out about it. I don't think any of the listeners told us about it. It was a I YouTube did... uh, I watched. Um, played a couple games. Like that seems neat. I'm like, yes, it is neat. It's like a game I knew for no apparent reason. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it's such a weird. A weird little thing that takes two cool games and sort of makes a weird hodgepodge. It kind of works. Yeah, it, it mostly works. So yeah, and that's that's been uh, the Drowned Earth, uh, a little game that mostly can. Uh, oh, there. Yeah, they are on Alpha Strike. What the, oh, these are expensive. Oh, that's not too bad. Sixty-five bucks for a starter set. Sure. Ah, that's affordable. That's sixty-five bucks Australian, mind you. That's the number of systems I care about. Yeah. So thank you for joining us uh, for another episode. Uh, the Drowned Earth was an interesting change of pace for us. Uh, a refresher. And uh, we'll be back within hopefully two weeks uh, with another game. Hopefully nobody gets another fear because I'm just recover- I just recovered from bronchitis. I'm still taking my last uh, oh. antibiotics for it. Uh, 
uh, this this ep- this episode was haunted like that with, with like hey i have vacations surely we can build up a backlog of episodes that we're going to <laughs> that we're going to release and give ourselves some breathing room no 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 we have like four days before before the episode release and ah, if, yeah so surf's going to be fine what, what what is he doing anyways he probably finished playing Baldur's Gate uh, what a cool guy there yeah, well, what an absolute champ. So, thank you for being with us. Uh, a bit, an especially big thank you for our patrons. Uh, the, 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 that is a small number, but it is an elite number. And we really, we also appreciate our, all of our listeners, commenters, people trying to tell us to play some other games. And... Uh, even the, even the guys who only seem to interact with the podcast via my blog, <laughs> weird, but uh, shine on you crazy diamonds. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think we're up to like four patrons now. Steve joined last month. Very exciting. It's really covering all my um all my Patreon payments, so it's great. <laughs> all right, thanks for that. That was lots of fun. Neat game. Yeah. Neat company. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon on healthier terms. Bye. Bye.